you have your Bible or your electronic device lifted above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Acts chapter number 19, verses number 11, Luke writes and he says, speaking of the great apostle Paul, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits did what, y'all? Bible declares they left him. 13 declares, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Bible declares that these are the boys, seven sons of Siva. They said, in, in the name that Paul preaches, I want you to come out. Yes. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, somebody shout one day. It's interesting because based on how the story is recorded, it seems as though that they had success. Until one day they ran up on something a little bit bigger than the little small demons they were dealing with. And the demon has some questions for them. You're going to drive me out. I need to challenge you with something. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Let me speak to my ministers and my elders and my deacon. You ought to have a threefold name. By virtue of being birthed, your name ought to be known in the earth. Because you're a believer, your name ought to be written and known in heaven. But because you're supposed to be wreaking havoc on the devil's kingdom, your name ought to be known in hell as well. It's something when you call yourself a minister and the devil don't even know you. So this demon says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but I ain't never heard of you. Then the man who the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Wow. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they truly are acceptable in your sight, hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see, give honor, glory to Greg, but all honor and all glory goes to you, and it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, so walk with me just for a second, man. I'm, I'm tripping. I was tripping. I was tripping. I was tripping. The man of God came, uh, Prophet Judah, uh, almost a month now, and um, watch this. I was blessed, challenged, and saddened, saddened. All at the same time. I had a mixture of emotions. I was blessed because, because of the demonstration of power. I love to see God manifest his glory. 
I was challenged because God was stretching me uh, in some areas of my own personal life, but I was also saddened. This is why I was saddened. Because I saw him minister deliverance to people that I love. Now understand, as a pastor, there's a, there's a, you, you carry the, 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 the people of God on your heart. There's a love that God gives you to pastor. It's not just a natural love. So to see people who I interact with day in and day out, several times a week, Pop, and for something to be in them, troubling them, not that I can't do nothing about it, but I can't even see it. It saddened me. So I told God like this. I said, God, I'm not going to do this if you ain't going to open my eyes. I will not continue to pastor and shepherd people blind, and I can't see when they're in trouble. They got a smile on their face. They're going through the motions, but in all actuality, they got something on the inside of them that's giving them trouble. And so I said, God, you're going to have to help me. So shortly after that, God started opening my eyes, and I just started seeing and seeing and seeing. And this is the commitment that I, that I made to myself and to God, that if I see something, I'm going to do everything within me to deal with it. So anybody that wants to be free, this is a place for you to be free. Now, I'm not going to make nobody be free. I'm not going to force no demon out of you. But at the end of the day, if you want to be free, this is a place where you can be free. We, we, we do more than just giving food away. We do that. We, we do more than just help people pay their light bills. Watch this. We even do more than just, watch this, do exegetical teaching and preaching. At the end of the day, I don't want just a prophetic ministry. I don't want a healing ministry. I don't want a deliverance ministry. I want a Jesus ministry. So whatever's necessary, whatever's needed, are y'all with me? I want to be able to operate it to help people. So, so there, there's been several questions, several things that's been coming up, and, and I've been thinking about it and meditating on it. I want to give some answers to some things. So one, one of the questions is, is can, a, can a believer, can a Christian be possessed? And I want to give some clarity to that. Watch this. You are a spirit. You live in a body, and you possess a soul. You are a spirit. You live in a physical body, and you possess a soul. Your soul is comprised up of your intellect, your imagination, your emotions, your will, and your mind. Mind awareness, intellect, reasoning ability, emotions, how you feel, will, desire, imagination, the ability to go beyond yourself mentally, to see yourself in a place that you're not, and come back and navigate to that, that destination. So you are a tripartite being. Pop, come just for a second, please. Jeff, come just for a second. I want to give this simple illustration. Pop, stand here, sir. Face the crowd. Jeff, come here. Chat. Right there. Good. Spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. You live in a physical body. You possess a soul. At the moment of salvation, everybody shout at the moment of salvation. At the moment of salvation, the spirit of God abodes within your human spirit. But he's never satisfied with just being in your human spirit. He wants to feel you. Everybody shall feel me, Lord. He wants to feel you. Now, this is the thing about feeling. Wherever, whoever resides here possesses the man. Whoever resides here controls the man. Because this is the control center. 
So at the moment of salvation, you, you are saved. The Holy Spirit resides in your human spirit. But watch this. He's not satisfied here. He's drawing you to a place to seek him because he wants to give you more of him. And as he pours himself into you, it bubbles out of your spirit into your soul. My God. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he or so will he act out in his body. So as a Christian... I cannot be possessed with the demon, but I can be mentally oppressed. And because the, the soul, watch this, is the control center, oftentimes oppression looks just like possession. Here's the sad part about being spiritually oppressed. Because when the Holy Spirit, I was sharing this with the, with the uh, intercessory team this morning. I said, y'all know God is like smarter than us, right? He like real smarter than us. And so when you give him full control, not just in your spirit, but allow him to dominate your soul, watch this, your imagination, your creativity comes alive. All of a sudden, you have an extra desire to pray. You have this extra desire to study the word of God. You have this extra desire to do good things that glorify God. Because why? The spirit of God that's in your human spirit is now bubbling in your soul, and he's messing with your will, with your desire. Your mind, you're, aware, you're more sensitive to things that are going on around you. Your discernment is more keen because you're mentally you are aware. Intellectually, you begin to make connections better because the Holy Spirit is here. So it's a grievous thing to have the Holy Spirit here and to have a demon here. Because the Holy Spirit is the owner. He possesses the body. But the, the, the demon is hindering his flow in the body because he's taking up residence in the soul. Thank you, gentlemen. God says, I want all of you. So I'm sitting here and I'm tripping and I say, God, you're going to have to help me with this because I got to, watch this, I got to be a seer. I got to be a seer. I know I have the authority to do something about what I see, but I can't do nothing if I don't first see it. And so since I prayed that prayer, stuff just been happening around me. Go to Cleveland, Mississippi, and stuff just happening around me, stuff that don't just normally happen in the past, come back home and stuff just happening around me. Why? Because sensitivity, discernment is at a higher level. And when I'm seeing something, because I see it now, I can deal with it. So I want to take you to some foundational text that this ministry has been grounded on. In the book of Luke, chapter number 10, verses number one. Y'all follow me. I want to, everybody shout, take your time, Pastor. Y'all don't mean it, but because you said it, I'm going to receive it. <laughs> Luke chapter number 10, verse number 1. The Bible declares, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, look at this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, laborers are few. How many know that's still applicable to this day and time that we're in right now? It's more work to be done than there are people that are willing to work. Number one, people aren't, oh God, thank you. Number one, people aren't availing themselves to work. And then the ones who are availing themselves, there are few still that are not consecrating themselves so that they can work. Now, now, I've already talked to the individual and I told them, you have absolutely, if something manifests in you, you have nothing to be ashamed of because if it manifested and came out, that means it's out of you now. So last Sunday was a true test of, it was a test of leadership 
And I knew what the devil was doing. He, he revealed it to me later. I told my, I've been telling my wife, I've told her several times, I said, after that experience, it changes you. It changes you. Because here's one of my sister, uh, Janice, one of my former members when I was in Hattiesburg. She watched me shadow Apostle Beard. And I'm, I'm not a novice when it comes to casting out demons. I ain't a novice at all. I see this. I ain't, a, I ain't afraid of a demon. I ain't afraid of a devil. I know he has to go in the name of Jesus, right? But for the first time, every other instance in my life, I was in the back. And if it didn't heed to me, there was a senior minister in the house that it would heed to. So now for the first time, we have a full-blown manifestation, and I'm the senior minister in the house. And pastor, if, it don't, if you tell it to shut up and it don't shut up, your church is in trouble. If you tell it to stop moving and it don't stop moving, your church is in trouble. So if, you, if, if the demon don't listen to nobody else in the house, because devils, unlike us sometimes as people of God, demons really do respect authority. And he understands that I'm the authority in the house. And if I say shut up, he got to shut up. And I was talking to the demon, not to the girl. So don't get that twisted. So it was a test, a test of leadership, test of authority. And watch this. I believe in team ministry. Everybody shout team ministry. I believe in team ministry. So as, as God is giving us more access and, access and more credibility within the city of Gulfport, Mississippi, I can't do this by myself. I need people beside me. I need people locking arms with me. And this is what I'm challenging my leadership team with. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I got a bunch of folks say, Pastor, I'm with you, but you ain't, living a, you ain't living a dime worth of nothing. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This, this played in my mind. This played in my mind because I've seen exposure. This thing started talking to me, y'all. He started talking to me, and it was talking loud enough where it could hear, it, it, it can be heard in my microphone. Now, if I'm involved in something dumb, that demon would expose me right then and there. Because how are you going to tell me to come out, but you're going to let me play with you later on? Do you all understand what I'm saying? So I'm challenging you. Listen, listen, listen. My smokers, my smokers, my smokers, my smokers, my smokers in the house. If you're going to walk with me, put it down. Because the same authority to cast out demon that God has given to me, he's given to you. And I don't, how are you going to cast that out and you can't put a stick down? My drinkers, my drinkers, my drinkers, my drinkers, my drinkers, my drinkers, lay your wine and your beer down. Now, I don't even want to argue with you. Well, well you, know, you know, as long as I don't get drunk, you ain't got no arguments out of me. Here is my philosophy and here's where my stance is. I don't want nothing that alters my mind. I need you to hear me. If you've ever heard me prophesying, I'm prophesying right now. There's a level of deception that's getting ready to hit this land that we have never seen before. And when the demon, when the devil comes with this level of uh, deception, I don't want to be in a mentally altered place where I don't recognize the enemy. I don't want nothing in my body that messes. Right now, Pop, I don't even want melatonin. I'm going to go to sleep naturally. That's just me. I don't want Mel. If I don't fall asleep, I, maybe God just want me to stay up and pray. Don't let nothing alter your mind. Are y'all with me in this place? So the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, not just folks that's available, but folks that's living literally a consecrated life. Because the devil has, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Everybody shout, I have authority. I have 
I have authority. I have authority. I have authority. And it's time for you to embrace your authority. Let me tell you why it's time for you to embrace your authority. Because everything in your house that's, that, that's a believer needs to embrace it as well. How unfair is this? How, how unfair is this? You would think that there are like big demons that deal with grown folks and then little demons that deal with little folk. But the same big suicide demon, come on, that will attack your mind as a grown, grown woman is the same big demon that will attack your baby girl's mind as a little girl. Let me tell you why the devil don't play fair. Because any born-again believer has authority to deal with the demon. Elder Yafrica can deal with the demon and cast it out, and so can Yahya and Yemi. Why? Because as a born-again believer, automatically he gives you authority in the spirit realm. Well, y'all with me in this place. I want to show you this in the text. How, oh, my God. Some of y'all are like, man, I shouldn't have invited you this week. You should, you know, <laughs> you can come next week. But I'm telling you, this thing is so real. This thing is so real. And you need to know this. The Bible declares, verse number three, he's going to say, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, that's, that's good because he's letting us know that, hey, this thing ain't going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. Verses four through 16, he's going to give him, them the instruction, the 72, the instruction of what I want you to do. It's two things that I simply want to highlight. Here's the first thing that I want to highlight about the instructions. Luke 10 and 9, this took me to a whole other level. He told these boys, everybody shall heal the sick. Say it again, heal the sick. One more time, heal the sick. He didn't say pray for them, he said heal them. took my faith to a whole nother level. He didn't say, just pray and ask me to heal them. Use the authority that I've given you. Lay hands on sick folk and see them healed. He's going to say in verse number 16, he says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Everybody shout, it's about authority. It's about authority because we are, I'm going to say it like this. We represent, everybody shout, we represent. Say it like this. We represent. Represent. You represent Jesus in the earth. That's what representation is all about. It is representing him. So if I say come, if you say come out, it's just like I said come out. If you say be healed, it's just like I said be healed. And if it'll listen to me, it better listen to you. So look at... <laughs> Everybody shout, it's about authority. Let me give you a definition. Authority, the power, the right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Enforce obedience. The right, the power, and the right to give orders, make decisions. Now look at these boys' testimony, verse number 17. The Bible declares the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. It's crazy. Even, even demons Submit to us. Now, let's, let's just deal with the origins of demons. So, the scripture, um, in my estimation and study, is not crystal clear as to the true origins of demons. So, there are several theological perspectives. I want to highlight two, two of the main theological perspectives as to where demons come from. One is the more traditional one, is that demons are fallen angels. So, when Lucifer tried to absorb the throne of God and got kicked out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him, and they came down to the earth. And, and in this perspective, these angels are the ones that trouble, that bring about troubles in the lives of people. Here's the second perspective. 
The second perspective is that angels are the principalities over the earth, but demons are the seed of the corrupt children that were born from the mix of angels and women. We see this in the book of Genesis, chapter number six, verses number one. The Bible declares, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, which are angels, saw that the daughters of men, women, were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Verse four declares that Nephilim, which are giants, were on the earth in those days. Why were they on the earth? When the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. Now, after this, this illegal bonding and these children are born, they were all destroyed in the flood. And so this particular um, uh, perspective says that these are the demons that actually inhabit their disembodied spirits. Now, this is nothing to fuss and argue over at all. I lean a little bit more towards the second one, and I'll tell you why. Because when I look throughout the scripture, I never see a body inhabiting another body. I never see a, a body inhabiting another body. Even the Spirit of God is not a, he doesn't have a tangible body like Jesus had. And when Jesus came to the earth, he came in spirit and inhabited, inhabited a tangible body. Let me give you proof text on that. In the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 39, not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another, birds another, fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies, angelic bodies, is one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. Now, here is where I'm cautious with this second perspective. Although it gives a little bit more understanding because a disembodied spirit is inhabiting a body makes sense to me. It takes extra historical and biblical material to prove it. And just because it sounds good and it's historical, I don't give it to the same level as the Bible. Are y'all with me? So I'm careful with this. But nevertheless, no matter what your persuasion is concerning where demons come from, at the end of the day, we know that demons desire to dwell within the soul and body of people for the purpose of torment and control. Everybody shout torment and control. I need y'all faster on my slides. I need you faster on my slides. Demons desire to dwell within the soul and body of people for the purpose of torment and control. Torment, I believe that a demon has more torment out of a body because they have desires that can't be fulfilled within the air. They're at home in the body because they have a suitcase to fulfill all of their desires. And not only do they want to, to torment, they want to bring about control in the, other, in the individual to bring torment to other people. So the Bible declares, Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority. Everybody shout authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing, everybody shout nothing. Amen. Nothing will harm you. So God says that I give you, everybody shout authority. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have authority over the demonic right now. You have, you've been given the right You've been given the privilege to enforce obedience in the spirit realm. This is what trips me out. 
concerning this particular text. Verse number 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and, and, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm, everybody shout, nothing will harm me. Some of you all shy away from dealing with casting out demons, praying against the demonic, because you have more faith in the retribution of the devil than you do the protection of God. You have more faith that the devil going to try to retaliate than you actually do that God's going to protect you. Because the text just told me nothing will harm you. That's what the text told me. It's crazy. My car broke down last week. No, my brand new car broke down last week. Broke down. I mean, this, I just bought this. Why are you breaking down? So I parked it. They're going to pick it up Tuesday. Coming back from an event last night, then my, then my brand new truck broke down. I said, my brand new truck broke down. Is this the attack of the enemy? I don't care because I got to church on time. Let me throw some shade and beat some of y'all. The Bible declares nothing, KJV, shall by any means hurt you. So as you engage in spiritual warfare, you got to have faith that if you are, watch this, if you are navigating and moving on the behalf of God, the same God that's empowering you is the same God that's going to protect you. Can somebody say amen to that? And the devil is absolutely alive. Some of y'all are in fear right now, terrified concerning your, your, your kids or what the devil, the devil, you are a liar in Jesus. And my, everybody shout, my babies are going to be all right. My stuff is going to be all right. They're going to fix it or give me the one I really want anyway. Let me get out of there. Lady McGee looking at me crazy. Let me go on and move on. This is what you need to understand. Everybody shout, don't fear. Don't fear, don't fear. Let me, let me help you. Let me help, let me help you. Because there were some of y'all, it was funny. I'd be like, Lord, get them off Twitter. Lord, get them off Facebook. Lord, get them off TikTok. Wasn't nobody on TikTok last Sunday. But nobody on Twitter. Look, if you were looking on, if you were looking at the service online last night, you put that phone down. <laughs> Keep them engaged. Because you saw something act out. You saw something. Let, let me let me let me show you the, the, the role of the enemy. When he knows he has to come out, his last ditch effort is intimidation. Let me talk to the wives for a second. Wives, you have, not, not you. Wives, you ever seen your husband get mad because you were right and he knew he was wrong? If I can't prove I'm right, girl, girl you just, you just, you ain't my mama. <laughs> Last ditch effort to have just a little bit more compassion. Get upset. That's what a demon does. When it know it has to come out, start acting out. And if you're, not, if you're not careful, you'll become afraid and intimidated and back down and let it go back to silence. But the devil is absolutely a liar. Are y'all with me in this place? 
So this is what I want to share with you all, because some of you all are like, you know, I heard, I heard, because I, I grew up in the church, I grew up in the church where, like, when, when it, like a demon, I ain't throwing stones, you know, we, we learn, we all learn. When a demon manifests, take all the, get them kids out of here. <laughs> get them babies out of there. Because when the devil come out, he might go get in my baby. And I got enough problems at home. I don't need him in my baby. Now, real talk, how many of y'all heard that? How many of y'all experienced that or heard that? Get them babies out of there. Watch this. The devil can only enter an individual by legal invitation. The devil can't, like, just come out of me and then be like, ah, I'm going to get you. He can't do that. He has to have a legal invitation. I want to show you seven legal doors. I want to say, I want to call them primary doors that the enemy takes up habitation within the soul of an individual. If you're taking notes, jot this down. If you're not taking notes, jot this down. down. (laughs) Write this acronym, True Cop. True Cops. Write the acronym, True Cops. True Cops, T-R-U-C-O-P-S. True Cops, acronym, why? I got this from one of my mentors, Dale Sides. Bless my life years ago. Bless my life years ago. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all got it? Here's the acronym. Trauma, rejection, unforgiveness, curses, occult practices, physical objects, sin. These are the seven primary ways demons gain access into the hearts and the minds of humanity, in particular in the hearts and minds of Christians. Trauma, rejection, unforgiveness, curses, occult practices, physical objects, sin. Now watch this. Let me deal with this first one. Trauma, trauma, trauma. It's not, it's not that you have a car accident and then a demon comes in. No, no, it's, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that somebody, somebody rape you or somebody molest you and then some demon come in. Uh, put, put that back on the screen. Put that back on the Notice next to trauma, I put unprocessed. Unprocessed. It's not the, that the event happened. It's that you won't get healed from the event. And there are some of you all right now, you could, you could, you could really benefit from some counseling, like right now. You could, you could really benefit having a conversation with somebody to help you to navigate through. And some of y'all with your big, bad self, you love to give your opinion, your advice concerning everybody else, but don't want nobody to help you to sit down and to help you to navigate through some hard spots in your own life. You know what it's called? It's called pride. I'm your pastor, and I love you. I'm your pastor, but watch this. The same pastor that sits down and talks with you, the same pastor that sits down and helps you with challenging is the same pastor that sit my own behind down in front of my mentors, fathers, and counselor and let them navigate me through hard times. The same pastor that helps you with your marriage and take you through counseling is the same pastor that takes my, my wife and myself to Hattiesburg and sit down in front of Reverend Siggers and let him help us to navigate through tough times. So it's not the event, it's the unprocessed 
that gives the enemy access. Rejection, we can see that because when you, when you go through, watch this, when you go through rejection from primary relationships especially, what winds up happening is you kind of open yourself up to receive love and acceptance from anywhere. And when you become open like that, that's a, that's a sign to the enemy. I'll love you, but it's going to cost you something. I'll accept you, but you're going to have to sell your soul. Unforgiveness, I'll deal with that. Curses, occult practices. Stop messing with some of this stuff. Put your Ouija boys away. Them little scrolls at the counter, leave them where they are. You don't have to read a horoscope. Just pray and get in the face of God, and he'll tell you what you need to know about your destiny. Physical objects, and we understand sin opens the door to the enemy. Can we go a little bit deeper, y'all? I want to deal with two of these seven. I want to deal with physical objects, and I want to deal with unforgiveness. I'm getting ready to read you, and I'm doing a little bit more reading than I want to because this, this is some stuff that blessed me years ago. One of my mentors, Dale Sides, he wrote a book called Exercising Spiritual Authority. Highly recommend it. Concerning physical objects, Dale says, the use of physical objects as a portal of demonic entry is a very subtle but effective aspect of deception. Although this ploy of the evil kingdom is clearly shown in the Bible, it is amazing how many Christians are ignorant of it. Whether or not people are aware of what they are doing when they bring demonic objects into their homes, the end result is the same. They may as well hang a flashing neon sign that says, Rooms for Rent. It is an open invitation to demons. I learned this while ministering deliverance and healing to women in India. If they kept certain pieces of jewelry on, the evil spirit would not leave. It's as if someone fastened a sign to them that read, This is my property. Some of the jewelry these women wore was connected to the worship of false gods, which are abundant in India. They may not have been aware of the spiritual connotations of the jewelry, God help me, but they still open a demonic portal by wearing it. The same holds true with certain body piercings and tattoos, which may also involve a spirit of rebellion. Now let me pause there for a second, because I ain't coming after your tattoos nor your piercings. Put holes in yourself all you want. But if it's true that there are certain signs that are associated with the demonic and you take that sign and you plaster it on your face and you think you're not going to have troubles. The root origin of piercing wasn't fashion. It was slavery or ownership. I pierced and hung something in the nose or in the body parts of something that belongs to me. I ain't coming after your earrings, but if you're going to pierce your, if you're going to put something in your nose, at least know the origin of it. It's sure quiet up in this house. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, at least know the origin of it. And some of y'all get on my nerves, straight from Nagaport. Straight from Nagaport. And got Japanese writing on your arm. My man said this means the blessings and favor of God. Really? Really? That's what my man said. Are you sure? You don't know what it say. Man, I, I was working out. I was working out. I ran across this song, man. It was, it was in, um, I can't remember what language it, it's in. 
Um, but anyway, y'all know Sister Yuka, she speaks like 50,000 different languages and still learning them. Praise the Lord. So this song, I'm talking about, Pop, I'm in there getting pumped off this song. Man, I'm putting, ah, ah, man, make it feel good. And I said, Sister Yuka, I'm loving this beat. Tell me what they saying, though. Like, oh, pastor, oh, pastor, oh, oh, pastor, oh, oh. So she sent me the English version. I stopped listening to it. Because watch this. They weren't talking about Jesus. <laughs> Anyways. Once during deliverance service, a young girl began thrashing about because the demon within her was refusing to come out. When one of the ministers pulled her toe ring off, the evil spirit came right out of her. This article ring was a cursed object that gave the demon a legal right to be in her. Now again, I'm not this legalist and telling you you can't wear this and you can't do that. But I am telling you to check the origin. Some of you guys, you need to go home because there's... I've ministered to certain people and I've, I've challenged them concerning praying about objects that sit in their house. Pray about objects that sit in your house. I'm even careful about what gifts I receive that I hang in my house and that I put in my house. And I know some of y'all are like, you're you going too far, Pastor McGee. I hear what you're saying. No, I'm not. Let me show you in the text. Book of Acts chapter number 19, verse number 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Look at this. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons, handkerchiefs, handkerchiefs, aprons, aprons. Look, look at this, look at this. Napkins that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. What touched the man of God's body was so highly anointed by the spirit of God. He didn't have to cast nothing out. He didn't have to say nothing. If they took the physical object and they put it on them. Now, let's reverse that because how many know the devil is not a creator? He's only an imitator. So what if a witch or a warlock curses an object? They curse an object. They curse an object. And you take what's cursed and you lay it in your home. Well, we all covered under the blood. Yeah, that means you're going to heaven. But you might receive some trouble in the earth because of lack of wisdom. Acts chapter number 19, verse number 18. Many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. Look, look at 19. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Now, now understand, they were burning things that were demonically associated with darkness. And although it was high in value, I value what I have with God more than these. And if this is going to trouble me in my relationship with God, it's got to go. And there's some of you all, you might need to pray about some things that, you, that you're unsure about that's in your home. Some stuff you went overseas with or some, something that was passed down from your, your, maybe your grandmother, maybe your great-grandmother. Because I don't know about you, but it's all in my lineage. It's in my lineage. They took it and they burned it. And look what happened, verse number 20. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. How did the word grow in power? Because the demonic decreased. 
as that activity decreased, the power of God began to increase. Here's Dale Sy's, um commentary on this particular text. He says, certain written words carry the power to conjure, to conjure demons. And when these types of books are in our homes, they bring demonic rites of passage. There are also symbols and pictures in some books that carry de demons in them. This is true of pornography as well, not just blatantly satanic books. Get rid of the porn. Get rid of the pornography. Get rid of the pornography. And if you got a problem getting rid of it, it might be because it's not just you that you lust and desire, and it might be something that's helping you to keep it. Is anybody in this house? I want to move on to unforgiveness. Again, I'm reading a little bit more than I want to, but it's, are y'all okay? Concerning unforgiveness, Sai says, unforgiveness is a poison that embitters and hardens the soul. Sadly, this element is so common in people's soul that it has become probably the most prevalent demonic portal. Genuine forgiveness is the opposite of emotional blackmail. We do not continue to beat others up for how we think they have wronged us. We may think we are enslaving them by holding that IOU against them, but in reality, we are the ones who are enslaved to the bitterness in our souls. Let it go. Everybody shall let it go. Let it go. Everybody shall be free. So now he's going to give two examples of how unforgiveness and bitterness have hindered people in his personal ministry. He says, a woman once shared with me how much she hated her ex-husband, even though her feelings were justified. Since he had slept with her mother and, su and succeeded in legally gaining full custody of their children. I still knew that the hatred was poisoning her soul. When I found out the offense was 15 years old at that time, I asked her if she wanted to give him the next 15 years of her life as well. At first, she didn't understand, but as I went on to explain that the bitterness in her soul was robbing her of life and would continue to do so if she did not forgive, she got it. Upon forgiving him, she was healed overnight in a terminal disease, the soul the soul that was once bitter and withering from a spirit of infirmity is now sweet and vibrant. The demon could not stand the fragrance of love and forgiveness. He fled the scene without anyone even commanding him to leave. Light dispels darkness and the sweet fragrance of God's love overpowers the foul stench of demons. Isn't that interesting? The moment she released that bitterness out of her soul, the sickness that was in her body, evidently it was demonically inspired. There are some people that Jesus healed by, watch this, laying hands on them. And then there are some people that he healed by casting out a demon. Remember the woman who was bowed down for like 38 years? It wasn't a natural situation. Doctors could not heal her. There was no prescription. There was no medication that could heal her. No surgery would have been able to heal. They could have took out whatever they wanted to take out. At the end of the day, it was something demonic in her body that needed to be dispelled. And when Jesus casted it out, it went out. Another example, a young lady was standing before me one day for ministry. When I checked the portal of unforgiveness, she physically shook in anger toward her dad. She said that he sexually violated my 
excuse me, violated me every day for seven years. She continued, you think that I'm gonna just tear up this IOU? He owes me for the pain he has caused me. I responded with two things that convinced her that forgiving him would be the best thing to do. First, I said, God, give God the IOU. Let him collect the debt. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. I explained to her that God did not give her a spirit capable of judging and that whenever we try to judge people for the wrongs they have committed against us, in a sense, we are playing God. Isn't that something? He said, her, your spirit is not capable of judging. Huh. Second, I said, your bitterness is not hurting him, it's hurting you. I also shared with her that by f forgiving him, she would actually be breaking his control over her. As long as we carry hate toward people who have hurt us, they are in control of us. I wonder how many folk controlling y'all right now. They control your route to work. They control whether you're going to go down an aisle on, in Walmart or not. Because when you see them, you ducking a whole nother aisle. You don't even want bread, but you over here in the bread, just stuck here for 10 minutes on the bread, waiting on them to leave. You know what that's called? Control. Oh, he going to be at the birthday party? Oh, he going to be at the uh, dedication? I ain't even going. Knowing you want to go there, but can't go because they there. You know what that's called? Control. If they're going to be at church, I ain't, I ain't going. I ain't going. They're going to be there. I ain't, I ain't going to church. And this is the place that God has sent you. But you're not coming, not because you ain't led. You ain't coming because somebody else is. What's that called, y'all? Hebrews 12, 15. I'm almost done. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, everybody shout, root of bitterness. Look at what the scripture declares. See that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So as I said before, it's not the traumatic event. It's not the violation that opens you up to demonic oppression. What happens is when you are offended, I see the bitterness is planted in your heart. And when you see the seed of bitterness, you have to choose to do something about it to process it out of you. Because if you allow that seed of bitterness to reside in your heart, there's, there's division against husband and wife right now because it's, watch this, the seed has germinated and has become a root. It's in you. Mothers, daughters fighting, fathers and sons fighting. Employer or employees fighting right now because an offense has happened. You didn't process the offense, and now the seed has germinated and it has sprouted roots. But look what the scripture goes on to, to, to declare. Put Hebrews 15, 12, 15 back on there. This root of bitterness, it doesn't just stay a seed, neither does it just stay a root. But the Bible declares that the root, everybody shall grows up. It grows up, and when it grows up, it causes trouble and what? It defiles many. What is the defilement? Because when the seed stays there and it grows up, it begins to produce fruit. What type of fruit? Sin. And whenever you have sin in your life, it's a sign to the devil that I am welcome. God help me. 
2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 10. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us. Let me read it again so you can see it. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight. Why did you forgive, Paul? Why did you forgive? 11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Look at me. So I told y'all last Sunday, the reason I'm, I'm, I, I, I dedicate, what, what, was the, what was the driving force? What was the driving force behind my, myself as a young guy giving my life to the Lord? Because I was molested as a kid, eight years old, by one of my grown cousins over my grandmother's house. Late one night, thunder and lightning, everybody else gone. This joker, this joker tells me, well, you scared? Come on over here and do something to me that messed up my life. Messed up my life. So I go on, don't see him a lot. God heals me. I enter into this relationship with the Lord that, that guards and guides me. It's, it's amazing to this very day. It's like, and I thank God, I thank God for how he, how he even designed the mind because whenever you go through a traumatic event, sometimes the memories of that scene are deleted to guard your heart from the pain. From about eight years old back, it's a bunch of stuff I just don't even remember anymore. My, my sibling, it'd be too funny when, when Jan was alive, Jan, Fundrell, and, and Clark, they'd be, in that, they'd be talking and cackling and giggling about stuff that we all did, and I just fake it and play like, oh, y'all so crazy. I have no idea what y'all are talking about because I can't remember. But I grew up, and I'm seeking God at the age of 13 years old. I'm sitting down on the front row, full gospel hole in this church, and seeing this man ministering the word of God on the front row. And this man, I knew from that day, Elder Keys, I'm called to do what that man is. I knew that at 18 years old. At the end of the service, everybody else went in the back. Everybody else went in the back. Went in the back, fellowship and having a good time. I remember I sat there when everybody else left, and I opened to the book of Genesis, and I just started reading, reading. I don't know how far I got, but it was such a hunger and such a desire on the inside of me for God. Watch this. This hunger and this desire overrode some of the negative effects that happened because of the molestation. 18 years old. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, not only am I called to do it, it's time to do it. It's time. It's time. I go, I go to my office here and I tell him, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to preach. And he says, Wait. <laughs> And he was right, but I was zealous, so I just thought that was the devil. <laughs> and I waited for three months and came back and told him I'm ready again. 18 years old, I preached my first sermon. Around 24 years old, I'm pastoring my first church in Hattiesburg, 24, 25 years old, somewhere in there. And while I'm pastoring my church, I have a dream one night. God doesn't deal with me all the time in dreams, but whenever I have a dream, like a dream dream, I know God talking to me. God says in the dream, 
I got this man in a bear hug just like this. And I'm holding him tight. I'm holding him tight, and I won't let him go. And I wake up out of the dream, and I'm like, wow, what's that? I knew God was talking to me. God was talking to me. So I remember, I got down on my knees. We were living in Hattiesburg at the time. Side of the bed, got down on my knees, and I asked God. I said, God, what are you trying to show me? And I heard God. Didn't take him long to speak at all. He spoke immediately. He said, you can't grab a hold of all I have for you as long as you're holding on to a man. That's what I heard God say. Now, I was confused because I knew what he was talking about. But I felt I was okay. I'll tell you why I felt why I felt why I felt I was okay. Because I never saw him. I never saw him. Shortly after that, I started running into this joker everywhere. Are you serious? You here again? Everywhere. And every time I saw him, that root of bitterness started growing up, growing up, growing up. And I got angrier and angrier and angrier. And I told God, God, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is what I, listen, listen, listen. Forgiveness is not about how you feel. It's not an emotion. It's not an emotion. Let me tell you what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the choice to leave the retribution of the person in the hands of God. Let me back up. It's not a choice. It's not even sweeping it under the rug because there are times when you need that somebody violated, somebody did something, and there's a conversation you need to have. I'm not talking about just letting it go, sweeping it under the rug. No, 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 no. When it comes to the punishment, the retribution, you got to let God be God. Some of y'all right now are rehearsing some evil stuff to happen to people in your head. You don't want to be the one to shoot the trigger, but you sure wish them dead right now. Because what they did, because of what they said. And let me tell you what's happening. You got a root of bitterness that's growing up on the inside of you. And the enemy is watching it grow because he's ready for it to produce fruit. Because when it produces fruit, it gives him access now, now it's more than just bitterness. Now you got something in the control center to help you to do something with the rage that you feel on the inside. But I'm telling you today, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. This is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that the person you hate dies. That's what unforgiveness is. You drink the poison, but I hope it affects you. At the end of the day, the poison you drink is killing you. You not meant, and God, you gotta be careful because God, you gotta let God be God. Because watch this, there are some people who I felt that they should have got a whole lot more than what they got, but God had mercy. And then there were some people, God took it to an extreme, and it saddened me because I wanted God to do something, but I didn't want him to do that. So when you forgive, you release that retribution into the hands of God. I'm releasing this stress, this tension, 
this, this right or to receive an IOU from you, I'm releasing that to you. I'm releasing them into your hands because I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in freedom. Everybody shout, be free. Be free today. 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 Free today. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. God, I love you. God, I thank you. I'm grateful that you have such a heart for us, God, and such a love, such a care to not just teach us, but to train us and not just to leave us at the training, but to challenge us and to provoke us into your plan. God, there are people at this place today that's dealing with the root of bitterness that you want to bring about healing and deliverance. Today, you want to do something supernatural in their hearts, and I thank you. God, there's somebody in this place that you want to save. Somebody today you want to set free. You want to set free. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank you for the liberty.